Hello, bonjour, and salamu alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and to give us a five-star review. Because listen, the stories we share on this podcast are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope you do. <laughs> Should we stay in a comfortable corporate role? We know that the money is dropping at the end of the month or every two weeks, or should we follow a more uncertain but passionate road, the road to entrepreneurship? And our startup guest today, oh boy, I hope you are ready because you are going to be inspired. Ejibola transitioned from a successful career in banking to forge her path in the unpredictable world of entrepreneurship. So get ready to be inspired as we delve into the secrets of her transformation to becoming the leader she was meant to be. To be, to be fully transparent, Ejibola and I, uh, we, we know each other, right? So that's why I'm so excited for all of you <laughs> to get to uh, listen to her and her story because trust me, she is a powerhouse. Ejibola, tell us a little bit about your journey from the early beginning. Did you know from a very, very early stage that one day you would become an entrepreneur and you would make an impact? Or is that something that came way later in your career? Growing up, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. It never came to my mind. I never thought of myself as a business owner. I grew up in a family of nine. I'm the fifth and second girl, so I'm the one right in the middle. I've got four siblings before me and four siblings after me. And my family are all corporate-oriented. Like, we've got two doctors in the house, we've got two engineers in the house, we've got two architects in the house. So that kind of family setting, I've always told them right from when I was young, I wanted to be a banker because I had this uncle of mine who was working at the bank then, and I would regularly visit him. He, his office was huge, and he had a lot of people. He, he was a vice president at the... Mm -hmm. First Bank of Nigeria. And I just wanted to be like him. And because I'm somebody that loves uh, numbers, I love figures, I love to work with, I love math. So I wanted to be a banker and I became a banker actually. In my third year of university, I even wrote the external exam and I became a chartered banker right in my third year of undergrad. So that was how focus I was to be a banker. And when I was done university, I got a job at the bank and I decided to, you know, further and have my master's degree. And I traveled all the way to Canada for my master's in economic development at Dalhousie University. And I got a job working. I first worked in um, an investment firm, MD Funds Management, then I moved to CIBC, and then later on to Scotia. So my life was all about banking. I never for once thought I would be an entrepreneur because everybody knew I wanted to work on Bay Street in Toronto. And <laughs> when it was time for me to start working on Bay Street, 
my husband got a job with Alibotton in Alberta. And that was how we re relocated from Ottawa to Alberta. And this was where my entrepreneurial journey began. Um, I remember my elder sister telling me, Ejibola, life is not about banking. Life is not about finance. You are just too one straight person. There is so much about you that you need to discover about yourself. And what she told me that day went a long way. You know, I've never heard somebody tell me that I'm too straight jacket. I need to discover more about myself. I thought I had discovered all about myself. I thought I was on the right path. I thought I was doing the best. Banking is the best. People still ask me, will you go into banking? And I said, yes, I'll go into banking, but more into the women entrepreneurial department of the banking sector. Mm. What she told me that day really went a long way. And I started to take time to uncover more and to look inwards at my skills, my talent. And I discovered I was creative. And that was oh. how, yeah, I discovered I was creative. That's you know, not what we should expect from a from a banker, <laughs> right? I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? But I guess I was bringing, you know, when you've got engineers and architects in the house, then there there is that creative aspect in the family, right? And yes. then I started designing my leather bags, and I started selling the leather bags while I was in the bank. I got a shelf space in town, and I was selling my leather bags. And one day I felt this business is doing well. I need to grow. I need to expand. And I wanted to get a loan. And I decided to go to, you know, to keep my business intact. I didn't want to um, get a loan within the bank that I was operating at that time. Um, I decided to go to the other bank across the road. And when I got there, I went with my business plan. I thought I had the best business plan ever because I help people with their business plan. I help them to structure their business. You know, I, being a banker, I had everything intact. I just thought she's going to put in the application. I'm going to get the loan. And yes, mm -hmm. my business is going to grow. But I got there, gave out my business plan. And just by looking at the cover, and seeing my business name, she said, no, you can't get a loan. I was shocked. I was shocked because I'm a banker myself. I would never say that to any client. The first thing she told me was your name. The name of your business is wrong. It's It can't fly. You don't have the target market here. And I don't think you have the target market in Canada. I was shocked she could conclude based on the name of my business and at that time, I took my, my name tag and I placed it back on my chest. In front she of her? In front of her. Just oh, for wow. her to know I'm also a banker, I'm a colleague. She busted into tears because she saw my name and she saw my, my um, position at the bank. And she realized I was even senior in rank to her so she busted into tears and was like i hope this wouldn't get to my director and i said it has nothing to do with your director i'm just so disappointed with the service i just received and i'm wondering how many women like myself are receiving this kind of mm. service 
when I got back to my office that day, it got me thinking. It got me thinking and I felt just the name of my business disqualified me. She didn't read the business plan, the potentials, nothing about that. And on my computer that day, I started looking for a job in entrepreneurship. I thought to myself, I needed to learn. I needed to be on the field to know what's going on when it comes to entrepreneurship. The reason I did that was because I was a senior small business advisor. So I was dealing with small business owners. I had portfolios of small businesses. However, I was seeing more men coming to me at the bank for financial um, loans and line of credit and equipment leasing. They came to me for everything. I hardly saw women coming through the door to talk to me about their businesses. So two things triggered my decision that day. My treatment at the bank, me being a woman, the name of my business, and the fact that I wasn't seeing a lot of women coming through to the bank to seek my advice when it comes to their businesses. I see a lot of men, lots of men coming to me to talk about their businesses at the bank. So I started to tell myself, you know what? I've done so much at the bank. I've been at the bank for almost 15 years. I felt it was time for me to leave my fancy office, get on the field of entrepreneurship, get to know what's going on and see how I could help. That was the intention. And that day I searched the internet. I just put it entrepreneurship job and voila, I saw entrepreneur in residence. They were looking for an entrepreneur in residence right here in Grand Prairie. And they wanted the person to also double as the regional coordinator when it comes to the Grand Prairie Regional Innovation Network. I applied that day right there in my office. And guess what? Two weeks after that, I started work. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ejibola, we're going to talk a little bit more in details about, you know, the the aftermath of your your decision-making process uh, because you have been doing since then a lot of amazing things. Uh, I would like to welcome uh, the... the, um, the viewers today to the podcast, Rupak is here. Hello, Rupak. Michael says, awesome. Um, Robert Berry says, hi. He says, what the heck? Just the name? Really? But you know, you said something that is very important. And this is something that I think is always, I have found the re- always frustrating is oftentimes you see people you know, with responsibilities to make your business or kill your business, right? So as you said, you are a banker, like you are in charge of the the entrepreneurship uh, portfolio. So you are the ones lending money or refusing to lend money. And sometimes it can be based on, on, um, on reasons that are subjective, right? And what you went through is a real example of it. But the frustration, I think, for many people and especially entrepreneurs, and and now that you're on the other side, you know what I'm talking about. It's that you see people who know nothing about entrepreneurship telling you your business won't succeed. Your business is a bad idea. So in, in the case of bankers, of course, they know the numbers, right, which is key and essential and one of the most important things when running a business, you got to know your numbers. So Those people, they understand numbers, 
but they don't understand entrepreneurship. So where do I see a huge gap here between, and this is just an example, but the banking system and the reality of what entrepreneurs face, because when you look at stat, and I have this stat, especially just for you, Ejibola, uh, in terms of, of uh, financing, women entrepreneurs in Canada have historically faced challenges in accessing financing for their business. And according to a, a recent report, um, only 4%, 4% of venture capital funding and access to fundings in Canada went to women-led company. So why do you think is that? You know, it's, um, it's always been a boys club. We know that the world is full of, you know, boys club here and there and the belief that men can do it better. But you know what? It's the new age. Female is the future. Female get things done. We we know how to multiply what is given to us. And that is why the advocacy for funding women-owned businesses is now everywhere. We are speaking up. We are letting government, provincial and federal level to also hear our story. The more we tell our story, the more we talk about our challenges, the more we can get policies um, in place to support women-owned. In Canada, a um, few years ago, like five, six years ago, um, the Honorable Minister Mary Eng decided to introduce what was called the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy. Mm -hmm. And she's been doing an amazing, honestly, she's been doing an amazing, fantastic job supporting women, making sure there's funding to, 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 to support, to coach, to train, to, to help them grow good businesses in Canada. So we've got a minister on the federal level that cares so much when it comes to increasing that number of the number of women entrepreneurs we've got in Canada, uh, making sure that women everywhere within the province are being connected with the right resources and the right organization that can support, coach, and help them to scale and to grow their businesses. Um, uh, through the the West, the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy, um, they established the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. And mm -hmm. it's been fantastic, honestly. It's been fantastic for like five, six years, the amazing work that is being done. And we've got organizations across, you know, Canada right now, like the Sedulous Women Leaders, like the BBPA, like the Casa Foundation, like, you know, we've got several organizations mm -hmm. across that are really um, getting the funding and the support um, to train women entrepreneurs. So things are beginning to change. And I believe that in the next couple of years, we are going to see that we're going to begin to talk about women that are making, um, that are unicorns, right? That have got that billion dollar organization that mm -hmm. are in the million dollar revenue. We're going to see more of that. We are beginning to see people like um, Susie York, who in three years, you know, generated a revenue of 100 million. We need to see more of that. And that's because of the kind of support we see even at the banking level to support mm -hmm. women right now. So a lot is changing, and but we still need 
so much support. And I believe the federal government, even the provincial government, they are doing everything they can to support yeah. organizations um, just to make sure that women are being supported. And, and you know, women in Canada represent uh, 16% of entrepreneurs, uh, which is quite close. So 16% of entrepreneurs and get, and only 4% get funded, right? So there is a lot of work, a lot is being done. Uh, and and I, I do believe that um, a couple of years from now, we will have a different conversation. And so you were talking about the change happening and you are a contributor to the to this change, um, you have recently launched the Sedulous Woman, uh, helping uh, women entrepreneurs get into uh, big box stores. So tell us a little bit more about uh, this initiative and why, how did you come up with this idea? All right. So going back to my story, leaving the bank, um, when I left the bank and got into the field, I began to connect myself with um, the network, the old entrepreneurship ecosystem. I I was part of the launch of the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub in Calgary. And that really connected me with the old ecosystem of knowing who is who within the Canadian um, entrepreneurship space. And that was how the Sedulous Women started that same year that I start, left the bank. I left the bank I became an entrepreneur in residence, the entrepreneurship coordinator within the region in Peace River, and I created the Sedulous Women. We used to be called We Also in Hills, but we changed that to the Sedulous Women. And for five years going, we've been operating, and one of our programs, we've got different programs for youth, for women, for men, but one of our programs that really brought us um, on a national level is the RIP I launch a product. The intention of this program is to drive more money into the hands of women, helping women, particularly women that have got retail products, to get those products onto the shelves. The goal of the program is to diversify the retail shelves in the big box stores. We want to see more made in Manitoba, made in Newfoundland, made in Alberta, made in Ontario, on those shelves. We want to see more of women-owned tags on those packaging, on the shelf. That was the intention. We've see, we see a lot of made in China. Everything is made in China on the shelves. Like, can't we produce things here, manufacture things here, create things here? I know not everything can be created here. Some people do not have the capability to have the machines. Um, I'm into stationaries. There are some of my products that are manufactured abroad. But you know what? The, I manufacture abroad, but I assemble. I assemble all my products here in my warehouse in Alberta. So I still give that Canadian touch to it to make sure that there's quality control and I'm checking whatever has been manufactured. We still check to make sure everything is of good quality before we put it out there on the shelf. So the intention of the program was to have women's product, more women's product, whether you're an immigrant woman, woman of color, black woman entrepreneur, we want to see more of your product on the shelf. So that program started three years ago. We are in the second season, third court um, of that program. So we help women. And 
we were able to achieve this by partnering with organizations like um, BDC, Business Development Canada, EDC, Export Development Canada, the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge of TD Bank, um, We Connect International, and several retail partners like Sobeys, um, like um, Winners, Omsense, Marshall, Loblaw, Otsimbe, Costco. They are our support partner on this program. So the women go on a 13 weeks masterclass, 100% retail focus. All the topics are retail related. Topics like how do you find the perfect distributor? How do you manufacture, get a co-packer? How do you protect your intellectual property, patent, trademark, franchising? How do you, what is it about, you know, how do you get the perfect product pricing for your product? And how do you position your product to be accepted on the shelf? And what happens after your product gets on the shelf? What is the support that is needed by you? We take them through topics like commercial general liabilities of because for you for your product to get into some stores you need to have a CGL how does that look like we're taking them through master classes that covers barcoding so that they can write, have the right packaging ready for that product to be on the shelf so 100% retail focus they get on that 13 weeks master class we also help them in developing a retail business capability statement and to create their product line sheet so that they can be ready for the phase two so the phase one is the 13 weeks master class and the phase two is when we get them ready to present their products to the big box stores so we've got buyers from the big box stores I just mentioned, Sobeys, Winners, Marshall, Omsense, Loblaw, Costco, Oxen Bay. Um, we've got buyers that will be there on that day. And the women, because they are all over, it's a virtual event. We make sure it's a virtual event because everybody is located in different provinces. Right now, we've covered all the all the major provinces. We've got women from different provinces registering for this program so we get the women to present and talk about their brand their product and instantly we get buyers giving feedback of whose product they are interested in having further conversations so that that product can get on the store and we've had success it's been wonderful for the two seasons and you know i do believe this program is very important because i remember a couple of years ago talking to a big box store in in canada and i was asking those questions you know why don't you work with more indie brands when it comes to cosmetics for example uh, why don't you work with more women entrepreneurs and i remember the answers was 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 kind of shocking to me the 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 manager told me listen because we struggle to find women entrepreneurs who are retail ready. Their products are not ready to be on our shelves. And we know big box stores have, many of them have launched their initiatives to support women entrepreneurs or BIPOC, you know, indie brand and so on. But they find themselves in a situation that they didn't think of, they did not anticipate, which is, they are like many of them, but they are not retail ready. So that's why I do believe this program is, is very important. And you mentioned something at, at the beginning. You said you started to join network and you started to networking. 
And I would like you to give us a little bit more information about the importance of networking because listen, we know networking is important. Everyone tells us networking is important, but very few entrepreneurs do it effectively and strategically, even though we know that the people we connect with can literally make a big difference in helping us succeed uh, in our business. So tell us more a little bit about the networking aspect of, of your growth and success. When I left the bank, I knew that I wanted to achieve one thing. I wanted to grow my business. But to grow my business, I thought I needed to understand the entrepreneurship landscape in Canada more. The response from the banker that couldn't get me the loan gave me a lot to think about. So I, I sat down, I did a lot of mapping. Um, I'm a mind map, I mind map. So I did a lot of mapping down and I said, if I need to get this brand to where I needed it to go, I need to understand how the entrepreneurship ecosystem works. I need to understand how the funding aspect work. Even though I was a banker, I needed to understand the challenges, the gaps and because I know I might not necessarily deal with the bank that I work with. I just wanted to understand the old challenge that comes with you running a business and you getting that funding to support you. And I also wrote down that day that I needed to understand, I needed to continue my job as a banker out there. Mm -hmm. I was helping business owners, like I told you. I wanted to still continue that. I wanted to still help them with funding. I wanted to still help them with their businesses. But I decided to um, make it more structured and to be in line with what I was doing. I was into retail product. So I wanted everything that I do to be also retail oriented. Um, mm -hmm. While I wanted to grow my brand, I wanted to also hold the hands of other women so that we can go on that ladder of growth to, together. So I, will, I was also learning while I created the Sageless Women. And that's where that networking came in. Because at the end of the day, I summarized everything I wanted to achieve under networking, knowing what is achievable, what is obtainable, what is going on within the industry I, that I want to be within the ecosystem that I live in. So I wanted to understand the Canadian um, um, policy when it comes to business. I wanted to know the implication of everything that I might be doing as a business owner. I wanted to know the implication. I wanted to know, is there funding? What kind of funding is out there? And how can that funding help me? Right. And even though I'm in the stationary um, business, is there funding that support that if there's funding that has to be because there's a lot of funding for like STEM. If you're in artificial intelligence, robotic um, and all that stuff. But how can my business be classified as a tech company? even though it's stationary, right? So I needed to know how to structure all of that. And that was how I began that networking. I got some networking, you know, the financial networking was there already for me as a banker. So I know who is who when it comes to um, financial institution or 
a banker at the top that has what I need or who can help with what I was doing. I want a program with impact because we gather data and we measure. We measure the impact of what mm -hmm. we're doing. Last week, our second cohort presented, they, they met the big, um, big box stores last week. Eight minutes after the 22 women presented their product to the buyers last week, eight of them instantly, I received the feedback of Sobeys, um, Winners, Marshall, Omsens wanting to have conversation with eight of the women. We've not received all the feedback back, but I can tell you it's a recognized program. Eight minutes after presenting, before we ended the program, because they stopped presenting and, you know, we, we were just doing the closing up and all that. And I was receiving feedback from the buyers of eight of the women they wanted to have conversation with. That is the future of where we are going to. The future is bright, Darren. <laughs> of course. I'm looking for a situation where we're going to have this buyer-vendor connect life, where the buyers would not only listen to the presentation, but they get to see the product's life. Here is the strategy when it comes to networking. You have to identify your objective first, and then you reverse engineer the process and you look, okay, this is, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to connect with? Who do I need to surround myself with so I can achieve that objective? And this is exactly what you did. And you did it for your own personal and professional growth. And you did it also for the success of your initiative, which makes sense. So talking about all the impact that you are making, you know, and that you are measuring, that's what I like on this podcast because the, the women leaders that I interview on this podcast, they are doing and they are preaching what they do. How do we say that? They preach, they do what they preach and they preach what they do, right? And so this is what I like because we are talking about women who are measuring their impact, not just talking about it. So talking about impact, what would you like to be remembered for? Oh, okay. That's a, honestly, I would love to be remembered as a woman who left the world empty. When I say I left the world empty, meaning I give all, I give my all in being an advocate in speaking on behalf of women in helping women to get to their place of passion and dreams. I want to be remembered as that woman who started Sedulous, not for our own self, but for the betterment of every other woman around her. I want to leave a legacy, particularly um, my stationary business, Simply Ejibola. Simply Ejibola, by the, by the way, means simply amazing. I want my stationary business, Simply Ejibola stationaries to, to, to have product in all retail, major retail big box stores, so that those products could be in every household. I want to be the next Indigo. Ooh, that, yes. I like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yes to being to becoming the next Endigo and even bigger than Endigo. Listen, there is no limit to what we can achieve, right? Right, absolutely. Bigger than Indigo, yes. 
So my last question to you, uh, Ejibola, is uh, what advice would you give to aspiring leaders who dream of embarking on their own entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey, but may be hesitant to take the first step and, you know, to transition from corporate to entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship is not for the faint-hearted. No. <laughs> I, that day, what happened to me that day, getting to the office and looking for a job, I didn't just leave banking. I looked mm -hmm. for another job that yeah. would take me to that place that I needed to be. I knew that I can't survive just leaving my job and not earning money. I, I looked for another job that would still get me my paycheck while I was developing the next step that I wanted to take. So don't just leave your corporate job and jump into business. It's not for the faint-hearted. Mm -hmm. Business is a lot. You need to have the heart. I tell people, if you suffer from high blood pressure, don't get into business <laughs> because you will not sleep. It takes a lot from you. You walk throughout the day. Even at night, you wake up sometimes and you start thinking of what am I going to do tomorrow? What is that thing I've not done? 24 hours sometimes is not enough for you. You might, you will miss a lot of your meals. You might not eat in the morning just because you've got an appointment. You might miss your lunch, dinner. See, it might affect your family sometimes if you are not careful to have that balance to keep that balance between that business and work and your, your home. So make sure you are ready. Put everything down, plan it out, have a journal, have a journal for your dreams and how you're going to get there. You don't, don't think you're going to be a billionaire in the next two months. No, it takes time. You have to you have to have a good structure, a good foundation for you, that business. And it takes a lot. Within the first five years, those are the, you know, that's the stage where you, you're going to tell yourself, am I going to survive this business or not? Am I doing right? Should I still continue? The first five years is always critical because the, the beginning, you really don't have the financial resources to bang on, grow that business. You need to create your clientele, your target audience also. And while you're doing this, um, you're spending so much on inventory. You're paying so much for things that will get your business running. You're probably not paying yourself anything. You're, you're the account, you're the bookkeeper, you're the customer service, you're the creator, um, you are the marketer, you are you are everything during your first five years. If you're lucky, you're able to hire one person or two, but not at the very beginning, maybe not in the first two or three years because you are not even paying yourself. So it's a lot. You're doing all of this. You're probably, you do not have a storefront. You're probably paying for a shelf space. And even with that shelf space, they're getting an extra commission for every sale. It is tough. So do not leave your corporate job until you know this business can stand on its own and it's bringing you the needed revenue. And guess what? That is the reason we, we, we created the Reap I Launch Our Product 
because we knew all those challenges and we wanted to help the women, particularly, you know, a lot of the women get funding to manufacture those products. Then those products stays in their garage, in their basement. They work hard to sell those products online on their website. And it's really not moving the way they want it to move. The reason we started the Repi Launcher product so that those products could get into big box stores where there's traffic and not a, where there is the food traffic that mm -hmm. can get the attention of those products and those products can move. We are helping the women to sustain the funding they get from the bank. A lot of the women have loans and line of credit to manufacture this product. And they are feeding those line of credit and loans on a monthly interest payment. But the products are not moving from their garage. It's not moving from their basement. If we can get it into the store, if we can get it into Walmart, if we can get it into Costco, if we can get it into Winners, if we can get it into Marshall, into Sobeys, into Hudson Bay, then the better for the women. More food traffic, more demand of their product from the shelf and more money into their product to service those loan and those line of credit so that they can sleep at night, yes. you know, and dream bigger to the yes. next level. Exactly. And, 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 you know, thank you for being that transparent because we know how social media has been glamorizing entrepreneurship and a lot of people got you know into entrepreneurship thinking that would be easy that you they would live the fancy lifestyle on the jet you know the the designer bags and all of this when actually no it is hard it is achievable as long as you do the proper work and that you surround yourself with the right people and ejibola and her program is definitely if you are into products uh, and that you're interested interesting in retail definitely you know you want to connect with ejibola ejibola how can people connect with you you can connect with me via email at ejibola ejibola at net or ejibola at simply ejibola.com or you can send me a dm on my linkedin at ejibola adetokumbo taiwo or you can connect with me via instagram at ejibola with a double a at the end or through our sedulous women leaders instagram page you can get me on any of those um, platform and oh and we will be sharing all the links in the comment also. So do not hesitate to click to get information, to connect and to ask questions, right? This is how you get started. So Ejibola, thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much for your positive energy. Uh, we, we, we love, you know, learning from you and listening to your inspiring story. And for all of you watching and listening, I will see you soon in the next uh, live episode of Stand Up. From the crowd. Thank you, everyone. You take care and you stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for having me.